Welcome to Experience Junkies. On this show, I spotlight meeting and event professionals, global travelers, jet setters, and more to relive the moments we never want to forget. More importantly, we'll attempt as best we can to transport listeners to transformational points in our lives, sharing our observations and emotions behind these stories. By diving into the indelible impact these experiences have had on us, we decode small takeaways about how to be better humans than we were yesterday. Hello again, experienced junkies. Today is the season finale of season two, and I brought someone special on to chat with me today. It's Rachel Sheeran. She is a burnout expert, keynote speaker, MC, and a bona fide experienced junkie. We talked about a lot in our conversation, including what she learned from burnout, the perfect place to people watch, and how she manages everyday experiences to bring more joy into her work and the work of those around her. Sit back, relax, and listen in to my conversation with Rachel Sheeran on how to live out loud and own your journey through life. Hello, experienced junkies. Today, I am joined by the wonderful Rachel Sheeran, who's somewhat of I would say a uh, VIP in the uh, events and catering and hospitality industry. And Rachel, I'm so glad to have you with me today. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Deanna. I am pumped. Shout out to all my experience, junkies, influencers, lovers out there. Uh, I love personally your podcast because experiences are what life's about. So I'm pumped to share and just chat with you today. Yeah. So before we dive in too deep, Rachel, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, it all started in Beth Israel Hospital in Boston. Just kidding. Uh, it did, though. <laughs> I'm from New England, but I'm a Southern transplant. I've been in North Carolina, hootie hoo, since I was about nine. I took a break. I moved to Philadelphia um, after school and enjoyed it, but couldn't take the winners. And I think as a person, you know, this question is always interesting. It's who I am. What I really hear is what am I passionate about? And I'm passionate about travel, food, people, uh, margaritas definitely make the list. I'm also passionate about owning my own business, uh, being a leader of incredible women on my team and influencing folks. What I do professionally is I'm a professional keynote speaker and MC, and I'm focused in the realm of burnout, which is when joy leaves your work. And to me, this is so pivotally important because the best work in the world comes from people who love it. And I think it really, you know, it's it's something that made you and I just really spark off the bat, Deanna. But I think when you think about experiences in life, it's sometimes the experience, but it's almost always the people. It's the people yeah. you're with. It's the people you meet. It's the people that set you on a different course, you know? And I will say that's part of the reason I, I do what I do. I love traveling the globe and whether it's Dubai or Des Moines, I have almost an equal amount of fun everywhere I go. So you know, people ask all the time, you know, because I travel a lot, am I always talking to the person beside me? No, I'm a certified mm -hmm. professional behavioral analyst. It's a fancy way for saying I judge folks. I understand <laughs> folks on a different level. But no, if you want to talk, you will be telling me your deep life story and crying to me and laughing hysterically with me. Absolutely. If you don't want to, guess what? I'm going to sleep. Cool. We're good. Absolutely. So yeah, that's yeah. me. When you mention a, a behavioral analyst, I think that you're probably like an expert people watcher as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just curious, along all your travels all over the world and country wherever you've been, where has been the best people watching that you've experienced? Oh, I think it depends on what you mean by people watching, but I'll tell you my favorite spot. And mm -hmm. it's, it's anywhere in the world, actually. 
It's at the baggage claim at the airport. When you watch people, the way they greet each other, the anticipation, the looking up the escalator, the tears, the hugs, the banners, the flowers, the, Mm -hmm. you know, even the administrative part. How about uh, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, um, my friends over at the Venetian and Sands Corporation in Vegas, they sent a limo to get me. And the gentleman who picked me up was dressed, you know, head to toe. He had my name on the board like I had made it. That was all happening in baggage claims. So for me personally right. and for me watching folks, I love that because, I mean, if you've ever seen one of those videos online where it's like veterans returning home to their dogs, cry club. And, <laughs> but there's there's something about it, you know, like in, in all relationships, we have this honeymoon period, right? It's like the first time I saw Mount Rainier when the mountain was out, you know, it's like I'll never be there first again. And mm. yet every time I see it, it's like it's like the first time in the same. That's something yeah. about reunion. That's really special. And I I think, too, you know, there was a a comedy skit a long time ago that used to say that when you travel on a plane and people would complain about, you know, delays or something like that, the Wi-Fi not working, the the comedian was like, you know what? Calm down. It used to take 40 years to get from JFK to LAX. Like, you were an entirely (laughs) different set of people by the time you got there. And there's something about being away and coming back or meeting someone for the first time that you rarely get to see it as much as you do in beautiful, just domino yeah. effect than at the, the baggage, the baggage claim at the airport. That's really beautiful, Rachel. And I think um, when you mentioned the baggage claim and really traveling in general, anytime you're in like a through between, you never know why other people are traveling. Like it could be for work. It could be for leisure. It could be to visit family. It could be for sad reasons. You know, they're burying a family member or, you know, you know, it could be for multitude of, of reasons. And because of that, you literally see the full range of the emotional spectrum of, you know, humans. You know, you see people that are just joyful, you people that are sad, frustrated, angry, agitated, anxious, you know, the full, you really see like the full kind of spectrum of human emotion on display in any type of kind of like travel environment or like moving from one place to another. So that's such a beautiful way of capturing kind of the human experience. Like, you know, yeah, that's quality observations of, you know, human dynamics at the baggage claim point. Thanks, Deanna, for asking the question. I don't think I've ever thought of it like that, but that's my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said that, yeah, the experiences are great, but ultimately it's all about the people that we're kind of consuming those experiences with. And, you know, if you look back on kind of your journey, not just as, you know, you were formerly catering sales and liberated in the hospitality industry. And now, you know, you're a keynote speaker and MC, even looking through the beginning before you kind of were in that environment, what were some of the, the key things you looked for when you were traveling or, you know, creating experiences with your friends and family, you know, even before you're kind of hospitality industry experience? What's kind of like those key triggers for the experiences you want to consume? Yeah, that's a good question. Because I think we all start somewhere, right? Right. We all we all take care of others. And we all experience things. And we we have the expectations and dreams of the way things will go. To me, I'm the oldest and an Italian Irish Catholic family. So it, Mm -hmm. it always started with food. The best things can can 
be enhanced by food. The worst things can be not fixed, but softened by food, you know? So the meal was always huge. You know, my mom, um, there's a big debate in my family. My mom's Irish. My father's Italian. My father's like family recipe. There's two sides of it. Either A, my father's father's found a notebook or cookbook from his mother who'd passed away young and that the recipe was in there and it's a family recipe. Or mm-hmm. B, my uh, father's mother was a, a war bride, a World War II bride. They moved to San Antonio, Texas, after they came back to America from the war, and a woman in a Mexican restaurant taught my <laughs> taught my grandmother how to make it. Here's the thing: it doesn't it's matter. You put family pig ankles. Like, who knows the origin? But yeah. it's, we have it now. <laughs> no one knows, but it's delicious. You put pig ankles in it. Um, the ham hocks for a long time, and it's got just a pinch of sugar in it. It's it's incredible, you know. Mm. And when I think about food, you know, there's there's some of the things. You know, my father's passed away now, and there are things that I eat. But it's more like church with him. Like it's, yeah. it's like eating with the ghost, you know, and mm-hmm. I know exactly what he'd say and the things he liked and the commentary, you know. And I think what's so cool is that, you know, food as an experience base, what's so nice is that it's very equitable. You don't have to read or write to, yeah. to cook with love and to serve mm-hmm. with love and to enjoy with love. And, you know, one of the things um, that I'm really passionate about, I think, in the world is, is how we can get a lot closer Right. The queen, Brene Brown, she says that people are hard to hate close up to me. I don't Mm. feel very far from people naturally. That's that's kind of my disposition is the glass half full, the glass half empty. The glass is overflowing, Deanna, to me. And I think that's the other maybe side of the experience is that like before I even knew words in catering, hospitality, you know, guest experience, anything like that, before I understood audience engagement and, and events in any real way, it was about honestly owning and really honoring the impact that I have as an individual on the people I come in contact with. Right. And I think a lot of us, especially, you know, I think leaders were taught to, you know, we have influence, but guess what? First of all, we're all leaders of us. And secondly, the influence that I have, well, it's powerful. You know, I walk in smiling, someone smiles back. Someone's having a tough day. I show kindness. I know how many times does the door get held for you? Or maybe someone lets you go first in the elevator and you don't need it. It's never about needing it, but it's about because of our industry, because of our heart. It's just so nice once in a while to go first because we never have to go first. And I think that's probably where the other side of where it started was just about really owning my influence over the course of events, right? Mm-hmm. It only had to be tense. You know, if if, if a conversation is going to be tense or in a, a gathering, let's say, is going to have a lot of different complexities to it. Well, guess what? It's only going to be nervous if I choose to be nervous, right? right? I can I can hear people's nerves as fear. I can hear people's nerves as excitement just channeled through a totally different way. When I'm excited, I feel like I'm on, you know, 15 bottles of uh, speed or, or, or surge or whatever, you know, insert highly caffeinated beverage here. But other people, I get it. It might seem more serious because they're observing, mm-hmm. right? They do, Some people do this beautiful thing where they think before they talk. I yeah. talk to think. Two different sides, same coin. So, Say, Same with me. I am one of those people, I have full-blown conversations and debates with myself. I will be in a room alone and I will reason things. I will work it out. I will be the pro and con side of the argument. So I totally understand kind of 
letting, you know, the verbal flow of words be the process. And then after you say it, okay, let me either trim that up or let me actually deliver this in the way I intended it um, when I first started this stream of consciousness, if you will. I love it. I love it. Well, and you know, (laughs) Deanna, I want to, I want to comment here that you have a very welcoming, natural energy to you. You've got a very calming, you know, positive energy. And that really permeates every conversation you have, every room Mm -hmm. you walk into, every Zoom you walk into. And that, I mean, that's part of the experience. Have you ever just met somebody? I remember I met a gentleman on a flight once. It was back in my early days. I was flying middle seat, basic economy, last row, anything for my dream. That's not about anything for my dream, right? I want it. I get it. I got it. This gentleman was from Portugal. And this guy, this guy lived with his seven sisters. He's probably about 65, 70, something like that. Mm. We were both on our way to Miami and he he was going to go home from there. And, you know, he's telling me about his life and all this kind of stuff. And I got to tell you, I was having a rough streak there. I was, I was I'm probably on my fifth gig. I hadn't been home in a while, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this guy was so infectiously grateful. How can I resist being right. grateful? And I think that's, you know, if anybody out there is listening and, and they're wondering, I don't know, I don't know. Here's the thing. Try it out. See how much influence you have. By the way, take a look at, you know, the, the influential people in your life, the, the folks that complain, the folks that aren't grateful, the folks that can invent a problem. You learn a lot about people inventing problems at baggage mm-hmm. claim. Here's the thing. Everyone out there is working hard. If my bag doesn't make it, I hope that it does. But guess what? I've got everything I need on me to do what I'm here to do. Right. Yeah. Clothes are a bonus. All right. Clean clothes. Nah, sometimes overrated. <laughs> So, so true. And you mentioned kind of as we started that a lot of your work is just about helping people bring the joy back into their work. And can you talk about, you know, the journey and the the situations that kind of pushed you down that path of realizing this is my purpose of pouring into people so that they can go back to their various careers and various industries and 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 uh, local communities and bring them their best selves to their work. So kind of talk about how you got to that point of knowing this was the purpose of what you needed to do. Yeah, totally. Well, I think it comes back to, you know, to me, the, the, the short side of it is I loved what I did. I loved who I did it with, loved who I did it for until one day I didn't. And Mm. I was so far gone at that point where I was willing to admit that I didn't like this, that I was departed from the person I had been. You know, there's something about people who love to serve. There's people, there's something about people who are on the go, go, go all the time. Definitely my mode of operation. Um, There's something about people too that want to be successful, that want to be high performers, that are Mm -hmm. high performers. And I want to say out loud that I think that's, you know, that is the American dream right there. A lot of us know the American dream's not exactly real. A lot of it, it was never real. It was never equitable. It was never meant for women or black people, Latinx people, anyone, you know, indigenous persons ever. It was made for white gentlemen. And right. despite that, we want to like prove the model. We want to like be above. We want to like say like started from the bottom. Now we're here. Right. <laughs> and I was subscribed to that big time. And so, you know, people ask how I got started. I, you know, I burned out. I burned out so bad. I ruined my, my career, my income, my reputation, mm. all of my friends. I put friends in air quotes because they were just my work colleagues because yeah. all my friends, I mean, most of them, except for one or two had abandoned me anyway in my workaholism and my, you know, like, oh, my clients really need me. You know who really needs us? Ourselves. Yeah. That's that's where it starts. And I had grown up, you know, because of the way I think my family is, I think of the way culture is, women especially are not encouraged to desire things. 
Like, what do you want is always met with, mm-hmm. what do you want? What would be your preference, right? We're, yeah. we're just happy to be included sometimes. And I think that was a big halting moment of saying, if not this, then what? And that might be the biggest, scariest thing. That's how people, you know, in my line of, in my line of work, working with Fortune 50 companies, really, you know, mm-hmm. everyone from mortgage and insurance and payment processing to cybersecurity and IT, all the way over to, you know, some of my luxury resort brands. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what you do. The scariest thing that people who care deeply about their work can think is, oh, my God, did I get this wrong? Like, if not this, then what? If I'm not who I am at work, who am I? And that's very American. You travel, mm-hmm. it's one of the best parts of traveling all over the world, in my opinion, is you get a different perspective. Uh, you get to see how it could be, right? Because, yeah. you know, there's a big identity that we have wrapped up in our work. And if the past couple of years have shown us anything, I mean, anyone who was in the job market in 08, right? Uh, we saw tons of folks get liberated from their titles mm-hmm. a lot, not by choice. And right. we got to be people before we're professionals. So th- that's a big part of my journey. The other side was, to be honest, Dan, it was anger. When I started mm. about six months um, after I you know, I'd started going to therapy, quit my job, all this stuff, what I started to do is I started to have words to talk about how I was feeling. I started to identify that my leadership had deeply let me down. Spoiler alert, they were super burned out too, didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And what I discovered was this is a big secret. It's a big secret. This is how people either A, if they ask the question, if not this, then what? If they even get there, they don't have an answer for what? They, they stop there and they just go, yeah. well, okay, I'll settle, which by the way mm-hmm. is the S word to me. The S word is settle. Oh, it's just, oh, no, don't. Um, but on the other side of it was that how it was like, it really was, you could, I had a gold star in martyrdom. I had a gold star in overwork. I had a gold star mm-hmm. in being, being good and rising the ranks and being award winner and six figure earner and all this stuff. But you know what? If I don't watch out, it would be cemented. It would be platinum. It would be put out in the square. And because I allowed that kind of treatment, because I was yeah. pushing through, what I, what I realized was it's, a, it's an industry-wide problem. It's a cultural problem. And unless I was the one to say, hey, guys, I don't want to say anything, but I'm pretty sure this isn't great. We got to do something about it. Here right. are the things we can do to, you know, before we're together or before you get to that burnout stage so you don't have to wreck your career. I think that's the better way to go because I don't know about you, Deanna, but life's meant to be lived, not to be worked. So absolutely. I love the ethos of, you know, working to live rather than living to work. And when you said that about the gold star in martyrdom, I could not applaud that more. I could not amen that more. For those who are listening who are in the event and hospitality industry, stepping out of a full-time role and being independent has allowed a lot of reflection. And I think there is a culture of People pleasing and lack of boundary setting. That's why we find ourselves in the place of being task managers and not part of strategy conversations. I think that's how we find ourselves in the place of being burnout. You know, when we're the ones who are giving people deadlines for deliverables and they're not meeting them and we still cater to their every need and still find a way to make them look good. I think sometimes we are so protective of the event 
that we throw ourselves onto the sword for it. And that's mm. not fair. Um, you mm. know, at the end of the day, the work that we're doing is not curing cancer. I mean, there are some that may be in the fundraising event space for like cancer initiatives. So you and may, thank you so much for all may, the work you do. Yes, you may thank actually you. be helping that purpose. But I like to just say that to give perspective to the work that you're doing and definitely bring your best self, bring your best effort, but keep it in perspective. How is this affecting your health? How is this affecting your mental space? And, you know, are you feeling that you're kind of being thrown to the wolves in order to make sure that the success of this experience that many in the audience will not remember really, you know, impactful. And so I I love that kind of call out to our industry to, to, to kind of grow a backbone, if nothing else. Well, you know, it's funny what you bring out of me is a, is a quote I've been chewing on a lot lately. What this brings up for me is, you know, the fact that work's never going to love us. Like we love work. Mm, Exactly. Work isn't a person. Work, work is at best like a child that you sponsor on the internet with 10 bucks a month or something like it is, you can love it. I'm not saying you don't, but which by the way, I just want to say out loud. I hope everyone does love their work. I Mm -hmm. hope remember when work is fun, it's impactful. I get goosebumps talking about it. Like I'm in that season for myself right now. Doesn't mean that every client's perfect. Doesn't mean that, you know, it's always a great day, but it means that it's fun in in our perception and reality is great. But y'all, do not make a mistake here that that fun is felt by me, created by me and the same thing's true for the pain and the same thing's true for the shackles that sometimes, uh, you know, I hear it all the time, Deanna, I can't, uh, you can't, mm. or you don't want to, you don't exactly. want to, I'm cool with it, but don't say I can't. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. How about, Oh, I have to, uh, I should my friend, Christine, she says, don't should all over yourself. Okay. Like <laughs> these are all things that like, it's kind of like in horror movies when you realize the call is coming from inside the house. Like we've got the key to the shackles, the calls, which are our thoughts, in my opinion, they come from inside. the. Rarely has anyone ever said nearly the mean things I've said to myself and to talk Mm -hmm. about experiences, you know, to tie it back. I think that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, breaking out of the mold, going somewhere different, experiencing not just events, but travel and, and experiencing really every day. It's the idea of what is this teaching me? What can I shift in me? Am I willing yeah. to be different? I mean, listen, you go to freaking Vegas and I'm pretty sure all those people, like they don't dress like that when they're at home, but they come to Vegas and we got a lot of pasties on a lot of people and I'm cool for it. <laughs> I'm cool for it. I think the world gets better when you're yourself everywhere. And that yeah. experience, it, that experience you're creating is, is something that you're really in control of. You know, we can, Deanna, you and I can go out to a meal and you can have a great time and I can have a horrible time. And yeah. from the outside, it could look great, but it, that's up to us, right? That's the experience part. Exactly. Um, I am a big believer in, you can't always control the experience you're in, but you can absolutely control your reaction to it. I think back to in college, um, me and my sorority sisters, we were the life of the party wherever we went. And I remember we went on this trip to um, Chicago. We went out to a club after and the club was lame, you know, just not the best environment. The DJ wasn't even that great. 
But me and my sisters, we had a ball. And I remember um, one person that came with us that's not in the group and she just wasn't having a good time and just kind of like, I don't understand, you know, the, the DJ is whack, this club is whack. And we are like, <laughs> correct, but we are here together and we are going to make the best of the situation. So um, it's such a good call out that like, you know, we can all be in the same space in the same place and feel it differently, but we also can take ownership of those feelings and not be a victim of, oh, this isn't what I expected mm -hmm. and flip it on this head. Like, okay, this isn't what I expected. How can I make that a positive? How can I, you know, make this into an experience that is unexpected, but, you know, still memorable and still have a good time out of it. So it's such a good reminder that we have, you know, we're behind the driver's seat. We have the key to how we experience those things, even if we don't have the control over the actual setting. Mm -hmm. If you don't like the movie, you can always leave. You can go into the kitchen at the party. No problem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about your work as um, a keynote MC. Um, and a few years back, you got a pretty cool experience in that uh, realm. So you applied for a TEDx talk. What I was kind of like, uh, thought that was interesting was the location. Yeah, you're talking about burnout and, and you, you know, your, uh, your purpose, you know, your mission here on this earth. But you did a TEDx talk where, and tell me kind of how that journey um, began and, and how it was for you. Yeah, I did a TEDx talk. My TEDx talk was in Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. And, um, you know what, it, it comes back, I'm a liberated caterer. Right. Mm. I have a, I have a background in catering and events. I have been in the hospitality industry. Um, well, my first illegal job was, was Dairy Queen, if we want to count it, but I've been in hospitality forever. We're talking two decades. Yeah. And when we think about hospitality and events, what's tough sometimes is your nights and weekends, right? It's like, it's like anytime someone could talk on my first cell phone free, I was working. So I mm -hmm. didn't get a lot of that and definitely don't text me. I didn't have that upgraded plan at the time. Right. Um, but the second part of it was our holidays were oftentimes really tied up, right? Mm -hmm. And so when people are normally out spending time with their friends or their family or these all these great deals, summer vacation, et cetera, I chose, I don't want to say I had to, I chose to work. And yeah. when I started my own business, I said, mm -mm, nope, travel's got to be it. I got to be, I want to meet more people. I crave a different latitude, right? Mm -hmm. And when I think about flying, you know, I remember before 9-11, obviously we're, we're here post 9-11, you know, over 20 years, we're still using that as a divider. But in travel, right. we saw the big difference. And you know what? I still think it's fun. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm cool with it. All right. And shout out to my buddies over there at clear. Cause they've made it very, very easy. But long story short is when, when I started my company and I just want to say this out loud to any, to anyone listening to this, you don't have to own your own company to make this similar decision. When I started my company, I said, okay, I'm on a mission. This is what I want to do. And these are the places I want to do it. And I thought about some of my favorite places in the world. I thought about the places mm. where I have friends and family. My grandmother, she, um, her and my grandfather after Hurricane Katrina, they lost everything. They were evacuated to Texas. Now they live right outside of uh, Dallas in a, in a town called Allen. My grandmother does. My grandfather's passed away. Um, so anytime DFW comes through, I'm like, heck yeah. Anytime I got a layover, DFW, and that Centurion Lounge is awesome. New Orleans, I mean, Big Easy is like my number one place. Not, not yeah. just for the Ritz-Carlton Club level that's there. It's the people. The fact that you can't get in an Uber and not subscribe to the Uber driver's son's gospel channel on YouTube, okay? <laughs> like, it's different. It's just different down there. Seattle. 
Seattle was a place I'd always wanted to go to, but it was so far and it was so mm-hmm. like, I didn't even know what it was like, but I said, you know what? I want to do this. And so a, a couple things about me. I'm from the South. I do have thin blood. I like where it's warmer and I love culture. Again, that has a lot of similar values to me, family, food, right? Um, also too, people who might be getting overlooked, right? I made the comment about Dubai or Des Moines. I love yeah. Des Moines. All right. Mm-hmm. Des Moines needs love too. Um, Omaha constantly surprising me, right? Um, and these are, these are cities where you're like, Oh yeah. Well, what about Chicago? Chicago, my in-laws live there. If they're listening to this ever, I don't target your city. Fine. That's why we don't come visit that much. Okay. I'm just, you know, like, let's be real. So long story short is when I wanted to do a TEDx, which like talk about bucket list, you know, you hear it all the time. Oh, TEDx, you got to get a coach. You got to work. You got to pitch all this kind of stuff. Here's the thing, Deanna, when you believe in something and I'd like to think you're strategic about it, it happened. You're going to have good luck. And that's what happened with me. 2019, I looked at all the TEDx's that were going mm-hmm. on and there's a calendar on the TEDx site. And essentially I, I said, okay, give me somewhere warm and give me somewhere where the topic, the theme of every TEDx, which is totally different for each of them. Give me, right. a, give me a theme that resonates with me. So you got to be a place I want to go. And ideally a place that's warm. Cause I was looking mm-hmm. in November, December, my slower season and give me a place where the people are cool. Maybe ideally I've never been. So I applied to four. And I got two. And one of them was the Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you a couple funny things about it. Number one, first time uh, flying in a a lay flat seat. So what's great about some TEDx's is they've got like bigger stipends to bring in people, things like that. So I got upgraded. It was amazing. A negative, I didn't bring anybody with me. Deanna, Mm. oh my gosh. Normally that's my mode. Like when I'm on stage, I want to be solo, you know, like I'm the boxer in the back. Like I just, I got to get into my head. What I didn't expect was this was the largest speech in my entire life. And and being ethnocentric, this was a big misstep for me. I assumed everyone would speak English in the Dominican Republic. Mm. But here's the thing. That's at a resort, which, which by the way, they put us up in. It's absolutely fantastic excellence resort. A sweet shout out to my butler, Vladimir. Him and I are close. Congrats <laughs> on the wedding, my brother. When you go to a foreign country and the event is for people in that country... Mm. these people spoke Spanish, (laughs) which you're you're talking to the only one person that was surprised by this. So it's incredible. (laughs) It's incredible. My, my fellow speakers all were from the Island or from neighboring islands or Spanish speaking countries. They understood Spanish and they spoke it. Me, I'm speaking in English. And I got to tell you, I realized it. I was the second to last speaker. I realized it almost instantly. I spent three speakers sweating through most of my clothes And then I went out and I did it. And I got to tell you, it's funny because I started to hear laughs. But the line afterwards, Deanna, the line afterwards, the tears. You know, I remember this one woman because it's some of the few words I do understand. She was like, te amo mi corazón, mi corazón. And she was talking about trabajo, so work. And she's saying, Mm -hmm. here's the thing. They understood enough to make that connection. And I was so relieved. I was so relieved. And it was so much fun. And on the flip side, you know, what was really cool, hashtag thanks COVID, when it came out on a random May day, I wasn't somewhere halfway across the world. I was sitting right here in my home office in Mm -hmm. in studio in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I got the Google alert and my husband came out, King Sharon. If you follow me on Instagram, King Sharon came out, the dog at our feet. And I got to watch my favorite 18 minutes 
ever. And now we're over a hundred thousand views. It's a wow. experience. The, the ripple effect of the mm-hmm. experience is n- never ending. There's so many kind of parallel hidden messages that I could that I could go off with there. I love the fact that you went to a Spanish speaking country. Like you said, it didn't occur to you that all the other speakers would be speaking in Spanish and you were the solo English person. What I really resonated with me is that you didn't run away from the situation. You still brought your best self. You still were able to connect with people. And so even though maybe you didn't fit the mold of, of what, you know, they were expecting of speakers or what the audience was expecting of speakers, you still were able to tell your story. You still were able to connect with other people. And so even as you were kind of like, you know, the black sheep or the one that stuck out in the crowd, you still were able to make an impact and make a difference. And so I feel like there's probably someone out there that's like, I'm in a place where I don't belong, or I'm in a place where, you know, I don't fit the mold and, and that's okay. You can still, you can be you know, the purple crayon in a box full of white crayons and still make an impact and touch yeah. lives. So I think well, that's great. Um, I appreciate that. But also that. when you talked about like your purpose and how you're selecting places that you're going, how you're selecting the clients and the conferences that you go after, um, because those are the, the physical places you want to go. Those are the clients that you want to work with. And for anyone out there who's just kind of been a victim of their career or not a victim, but kind of just a passer passenger and just going where it takes them as opposed to, no, I'm behind the driver's seat. I can have intention behind these things and I can purposely pick, you know, jobs or purposely pick freelance work or whatever that looks like that's going to take me places I want to go. So I really mm-hmm. love that that as well. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. And you know, it's funny as I hear you talk about it, you know, it's, it's one of those things. If you're receiving a lot, I love that for you, but don't forget you can choose. If somebody hands you, I, I, I think about this all the time. Remember in the arcades, if you still go, maybe you have kids, maybe you went as a kid, an arcade was a coveted time. I remember I would go, I would play skee-ball until my arms fell off or the quarters ran out. Mm-hmm. I would get my coveted tickets and I would go up to that little bar th- that has all the prizes, right? And of course, I don't have very many, right? I was just having a good time. So I have maybe 10, right. 12, something. And I always wanted one of those bracelets, like the string bracelets that were in neon colors. And those mm-hmm. came in three distinct colors, yellow, neon yellow, neon orange, or neon green. Sometimes pink, but that was rare. Mm-hmm. Long story short is... Here's the thing in the world you pick, let's say I pick the bracelet. That's what I want to spend my tickets on. You pick the career. That's what you want to spend your time on, talents on, mind on, energy on, heart on. Okay, great. Don't forget that you can say, oh, can I have a green one? If they hand you yellow, can I have the green one? Because y'all, let me just say it out loud. Who, who, how many people out there wake up and they're like, I can't wait to disappoint people today. I can't wait to tell a bunch of people no, pissing people off. Like, I don't think the world works like that. But I do think it's our responsibility that when we know better about ourselves, that we got to tell somebody, right? We got to call it in and we got to be consistent, especially if we are making this big difference, which again, one of my favorite parts of travel is, you know, I get to bring myself anywhere and have have whatever I'd like to influence me, influence me. And I think one of the Mm -hmm. things that's very cool. I remember when I first started, you know, I was sitting middle seat, basic economy, last row, all this kind of stuff. I would count how many women were in first class. I'd count how wow. many black people were in first class. I'd count how many Asian American people were in first class, right? And I would count them. 
because it was important to me, right? And you Mm -hmm. might think, what the hell is going on with this lady? Here's the thing. That was going to be me one day. But it's part of my job on this earth. It's like the great Michelle Obama says, when the door of opportunity opens and you pull someone, you got to pull someone through with you. So it's my, and I got to tell you out loud, certain places, we still, we still, every time I fly to Dallas, for the most part, there's a lot of cowboys up in that first class. (laughs) And I'm around here being like, hey, y'all, what's going on? Anybody got tequila? So, Mm -hmm. you know. But I'm here to tell you right now, some of my favorite places, New Orleans, New York City, Spain, France, you know, uh, these places, Seattle, the diversity of first class has never been better and it's only getting stronger. And to me, I think that's one of like the coolest parts about like what you're saying is just about how like you made an impact no matter where you go. Sometimes the existence, not just of you choosing something different for yourself, something that you want, you never know who you're making it possible for. It's the kids that you influence. It's the person that gets inspired by me when I'm on stage and I'm plus size and I'm myself and I'm quote unquote, I am professional, but don't ever mistake me as boring. Don't ever Mm. assume that I'm stiff because I'm professional and I'm authentically me. I think that's, that's true for everybody out there. If you choose, yeah, if you choose. That's such a good reminder. You know, who am I making space for with my presence? You know, who am I paving a path for to come behind me and it'll be easier for them? Because I think a lot of times, especially as you mentioned, you know, from the American perspective, it's very individual freedoms, individual liberties, which is great, right? We can own our own path and that's really wonderful. But when we lose some of the community and collective mindset, as you talked about, we might forget to reach back while we reach forward, right? Mm -hmm. And bring someone along with us or even not necessarily bring someone along with us, but leave an instructional guide so that someone can follow the map and follow the path. So it's wonderful that you are conscious of that as you're experiencing these different things of like, who am I impacting that might see me in this situation and know that it's possible for them? I'm telling you right now, teenage Rachel is like, no way are you doing all <laughs> No, wait, what? Like, literally, I am in the background with some like Lisa Frank notebooks, just freaking the hell out. And it, absolutely. It's, it's super fun. You know, on that point, I will say, you know, I think about one ex- side of experiences we don't really talk about. And I know our time's starting to come to an end. But it's about the experiences where you do feel uncomfortable and out of place. I just want to say out loud, you know, when I went to uh, Barcelona for about 10 days with my best girlfriend, all this kind of stuff. I mean, we are thick queens for sure. You know, sidewalks in Barcelona are they people in Barcelona can walk two or three wide on a Mm -hmm. sidewalk. Me and her, we had to walk in front of each other. We hung out with (laughs) the Germans and the British people, right? You get outside Mm -hmm. of Barcelona, some of my favorite places, Bagur and Pals and off the Mediterranean coast, you find folks of of more body diversity. And I just Mm want to say out loud that, you know, sometimes the tough fix experiences, there was a moment where I felt shame that like this was not the place for me because of how I am in this moment. Right. And what's, what's beautiful about it is that if you catch a glimpse of that, there's two opportunities here. It's number one, to feel it, to really be honest about what you're feeling, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like I was like, damn, Spanish sidewalks, <laughs> you know, who the hell made these in, you know, 1100, this is crap. Yeah. And I could have logically, uh, you know, t- talked myself out of feeling sad or, or um, othered or things like that. But instead I just felt it and then I said, hey, you know, we got this car rental. Let's start it a day early. Let's see what mm-hmm. else is out there. Because I had a choice to stay in a place, you know, that, that made me feel uncomfortable. And I also had a choice that I could leave it. And I think that's one of those things when we're talking about experiences, 
one concern I have about the world, I totally agree. We need to come together. We need to own our energies, really take it, it, take stock of it, but also to get a little more comfortable in sitting in the hurt, sitting in the pain, sitting in the discomfort of, of any kind of experience, putting mm-hmm. a name to it and then saying, I making your own decisions. Will you allow yeah. it? Will you change it? Will you speak up differently? Will you, will you speak up for someone else? You know, to me, when marginalized voices are speak up and then they're not listened to, I mm-hmm. echo what they've said. That's a yeah. big change over the past couple of years. I normally would be too polite or I'd be worried that, you know, I'm overstepping. Now I'm like, hell no. Did you hear? Did you hear what they said? I love this. What about y'all? Right. And I'm, yeah. I, I'm that advocate in that same way. Doesn't mean that it's not uncomfortable sometimes. Just means that experience has taught me a little different. Yeah. Experiences teach us a lot uh, for sure. Um, well, we are wrapping up my friend. Thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. Um, I ask every guest at the end of each episode, if there is a song that could convey our conversation today or your journey that we kind of discussed, what would that song be and why? Run the world girls by Beyonce. Easily. You look at every single, I have goosebumps. You look at every single community in the world and women are the glue. You look at every, mm-hmm. every great chef that's ever been awarded. I'm, I'm a partner of the James Beard Foundation. I work with their women's and non-binary persons impact fund. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. You meet all these chefs, all of the male chefs, all of them have a woman to thank for the recipes, for the time, for the love of cooking. It's incredible. I mean, Next time you're watching Food Network, just listen to these origin stories. It's all back to women. When I think about the hospitality industry, when I think about the people in the front of house and and, and, uh, in the heart of house, when I think about um, when you look at at the givers, the people who are providing, I think the people who are definitely bossing up in the financial game, which I love it. There's Mm -hmm. a lot more ladies flying, you know, Emirates first class. um, And I see them as I board to the back on Emirates. Um, (laughs) You know, I'll be with them soon. But I just want to say out loud that I think, you know, it used to, I remember growing up, my mom, she's a good Midwestern woman. She would say, you know, like the, the key to a man's heart is through his stomach. And I just mm-hmm. want to say out loud, I think to the world and Beyonce, I mean, absolute queen and idol and hero and a lot of things to me, I think that I think the key to the world is just through women's hands because mm-hmm. the heart's a given, but it's really supporting women in the work that they do, listening to different voices and women change the world. It's really cool to see us stepping on so many different stages right now. So I know Deanna, I can't wait to see you on stage again soon. Oh, thank you so much. Well, this has been great. And I love that. That's a perfect way to kind of close out our conversation today in terms of the heart of the world is in, found in the hand of the woman. It just gives me kind of goosebumps. But before we sign off, tell the peeps where they can find you on the interwebs. If you want to check out my cute dog and hot husband, Instagram, I'm at Rachel.Sharon. If you want more burnout prevention, motivation, travel stuff, uh, LinkedIn. I hang out on LinkedIn a ton. I'm taking actually my uh, my quarterly sabbatical from uh, social media is getting ready to stop. And so I'm mm-hmm. coming back, baby. So LinkedIn, I would love to connect with you on there and also to cheer you on. Uh, that's my favorite part of LinkedIn is cheering on people yeah. professionally and especially when they make a big change. Good for you. I'm cheering you on. Absolutely. Well, we will be looking for you when you come back out into the social media world. But thanks for so much for joining today, Rachel, and um, have a good rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Experience Junkies podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify so that other listeners can find the show. Be sure to join our Discord channel. This is a great place for you to give feedback, talk with me, talk with our guests and other listeners, and share your experience junkie tales. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day.